Happy Monday. We're here, man. Cabo Nation. What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 497 of Combo's Court. And you know who it is. I am Combo. Today's show, Carson Bremer of the Volumes Nerd Sesh joins in to talk greatest athlete ever, greatest NBA team ever, the evolution of the NBA and where it's going, and much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Carson. Go subscribe to Nerd Sesh wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Carson Bremer of the volume. Why the name Nerd Sesh? That started when me and my friend Logan started the podcast. We immediately had like a super shared passion for sports history specifically. So we just like jumped right into ranking stuff. And I think just sort of like offhandedly called it a nerd sesh or something. And then we just stuck with that. You know, we have to start with your mellow take. Uh, what sure. did you <laughs> For everybody that hasn't seen it or heard it, what was the take? But on top of that, what did you make of the response to it? So the fundamental take was that Melo is the most overrated NBA player ever, which I was not surprised at all upset a ton of people. That's kind of the entire point of the take, right? He can't be overrated if I come out and say that and everybody just agrees and is like, oh, yeah, of course, we all know that Melo's overrated, then it doesn't work. There has to be like a big faction of people who uh, totally love him and celebrate him and elevate him to levels that I don't think he quite belongs at. But basically the fundamental point there is that he has a couple of traits that historically throughout NBA history, it's been very difficult to uh, build winning teams around when your star player is like that. The first one being an obvious defensive liability for his entire career. And the second one being a very limited playmaker in the scope of stardom. And then sort of the last ingredient there is that he's really throughout his career, an average efficiency score. I think people latched onto that specific point a bit too much because people think, well, Melo is a historically great score and Melo is a great score, especially in terms of just pure skill in the New York years. Like if you're talking about, the combination of footwork and body control balance, difficult shot making, the number of counters, the variety in his post game. Like he's an artist. There's no doubt about that. But there are dudes who have been able to create higher value shots more consistently if it's because of lethal pull up shooting from deep or an ability to pressure the rim more consistently. But it really comes down to defensive liability, very limited playmaker, average efficiency score. And I think that the impact on team success throughout his career reflects that like the differential in how his team performed with him on the court versus off it is minimal they're like one point per 100 possessions better which compared to really any other star peer is way behind the pack 
his teams won during his prime years, 58% of the games that he played, 54% of the games that he didn't play. So it's not that we can't appreciate Melo's game and especially his variety and pure skill as a scorer. It's just that I think people elevate him into conversations that he doesn't belong in given his actual impact on winning. I definitely don't totally agree with you, but I would say I think a lot of the response on social media and on Twitter especially, there's a lot of signaling going on, right? So if somebody mm-hmm. says that, Mello is overrated. If they say this guy's not a hooper, this guy doesn't play basketball, it makes them feel more like a hooper themselves. So I think there's a lot of signaling going on. Would you agree with that? 100%. And I mean, I do think there's that mentality of people who are going to evaluate their favorite basketball players purely on like one-on-one skill, basically. Because if you play basketball, that's a huge part of your experience. And I think that it's such a visually pleasing thing and it's so obvious to us every game like this dude is just a tough ass bucket but there's so much more in the scope of a five on five nba game that goes in impacting winning so yes i do agree with you completely on that point is it fair to say that some of other parts of his game are underrated like i know the passing numbers aren't great but if you watch mellow play i mean he has solid to good iq he makes the right pass at the right time in my opinion uh he got better as a shooter over his career as you mentioned Mm -hmm. And not only that, when comparing the greatest players, it's kind of tough at times to put rings into it. But I know we put so much stock into rings because it is a team sport at the end of the day. And you do need a good enough team to win it all. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But I would just say that I never mentioned, oh, Melo doesn't have a ring as like a fundamental point of its of my he is overrated take. I do think people really have underrated his supporting cast in Denver. I think because... He was so much more prominent in New York and it was more recent people, especially the later years in New York have like this idea that he was playing with a bunch of Pablo Prigioni's and just like straight bums. Those Denver teams were really good. He had great defensive front courts with Kmart and Camby and Nene for years. He consistently played with a really high level guard, Chauncey AI, even Andre Miller was very good as that sort of table setter control the game. So I don't know that there was a championship caliber roster, in there so I don't hold that against him it's really more he still had a minimal impact by star standards on improving those supporting casts he did had looking at on off data and all that and he struggled a lot in the playoffs in terms of his individual production with the exception of the Western Conference Finals run when he was really really good what do you think about Jason's take that you can't compare efficiency across all eras that you more should compare it within your era so I completely agree with that take. And first of all, I love Jason. He's the man. He's been on the been on the show a bunch of times. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah. I love Jason. But that is what I'm doing with Melo. I'm not saying Melo should be scoring at 2023 efficiency, which is higher than any point in the history of the game. I'm saying versus his peers, Melo scored at well, compared to other stars, well below average efficiency and versus the league average, almost exactly average efficiency. So That is the standard that I'm holding him to, and he doesn't hold up in the scope of stardom by that standard. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about most underrated players ever. And, I mean, staying on the mellow topic to some degree, like when I look at Dominique Wilkins and Reggie Miller and other players of that elk, even Patrick Ewing, I feel like they just at times didn't have enough around them to win it all. Is that fair when it comes to Melo? I know I'm kind of harping on the same point, but do you put Melo in that category as well? 
Well, I think that there's a difference between winning it all and having two years in your whole career when you win a playoff series. But again, I'm not going to singularly focus on the team success because I don't really see a lot of championship caliber cores there, but it's like Neek, as another example, I actually don't think is a guy who was a victim of circumstance. He also never made an Eastern Conference Finals in his career, but he had a lot of those same fundamental limitations where he was a more inefficient scorer than Melo actually compared to his peers. And I would argue a less complete score in terms of the variety of counters and his level as a jump shooter. He was a maybe worse playmaker than Melo, and he was also a bad defender. So I, I feel like I feel like the, I feel like the incredible athleticism made up for so much of that, though, right? <laughs> well, I also think, though, that that's part of why we love Neek and we still talk about Neek because it's like, oh, my God, he's a one of a kind talent in terms of his athleticism. But as a complete winning all around basketball player, isn't on the level of some of the guys who we put him in conversations with. And then you talk about Reggie Ewing. Those guys were knocking on the door so many times, right? They consistently propelled great teams. They did have the best supporting cast of any of those dudes you mentioned. I don't think there's any question about that. But they also had traits that very clearly, I think, like Ewing's two-way dominance, right, as a foundational big, is great for any team. Reggie's just insane efficiency and constant off-ball value and his ability to elevate his game in terms of scoring production in the playoffs. That's going to propel great team offenses. So, I think one of the things that is interesting to me is there are so many ways that a basketball player can be highly skilled. And some of those ways just end up being more conducive to winning than like guys who are really impressive one-on-one scorers to watch. Obviously those can be some of the great players ever, but generally you need to have more than that, or you need to be like exceptionally, exceptionally great at that. Reggie Miller is an interesting case because I feel like he's underrated and a big reason, and it's simple. It's simple because for me, I'm sure you could get more in depth about this, but since we're in agreement for me, he just carried a good franchise for so many years. And I believe that has yes. so much value. I mean, the consistency is incredible. I think he led, I want to say eight top eight offenses in like a nine year stretch and towards the 98 to 2000 range. They're the number one offense in the league twice. And of course he had good supporting pieces, especially Mm -hmm. in those later years with Jalen Rose and Rick Smith's for a decade, Mark Jackson, one of the better pure point guards of that era, but he is the consistent piece. He is making everybody around him better with how constantly he demands attention away from the ball with the ball in his hands. And he's just clearly one of the best shooters we've ever seen, not just in terms of his pure accuracy, but his ability to shoot at different body angles, off movement, against contests at his height and with the quickness of his release. Reggie is the man. And just because his career averages are 18, three and three, he's a five-time all-star, which is criminal. People will go and say he's overrated because of like the lore around him, but I completely disagree. I just think raw stats cannot capture his impact on winning basketball, but the team results do because they were always in it who else is in the mix for you for most underrated player ever it's such an interesting topic because if every if consensus is saying this player is underrated or overplayed they're no longer underrated or overrated right so it's a very interesting topic so i really like when people have a unique perspective on it because you can't just say who everybody else is saying or it it doesn't really count in my opinion. <laughs> I think that's a great point. And like, I just did a take on throwing Ray Allen's name into that conversation. And so many people agreed with me that I was like, maybe Ray does get sufficiently appreciated, but I do think he's a great example because of what he was able to do as an offensive engine in the Milwaukee and Seattle years. 
Like he led top three offenses six of eight years before going to Boston. Where like, yeah, he's got some ahead of his time offensive partners like Rashard Lewis in Seattle, just with all around shooting ability there. But he's not playing with consistent stars. He's driving that super efficient, obviously one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen. I think an underrated playmaker, especially yeah. if you look at like the 01 Eastern Conference Finals run and easily could have been the best guy on a finals team. So I've got a bunch of guys for that list, man. I think Rick Barry is one of the great scoring playmaking hybrids we've ever seen consistently elevated teams and people don't talk about him as much because of that era. He spent some time in the ABA. People didn't like him. Then you go down to some of like the high impact role players. I always think about Anthony Mason, man. That dude just did so many things wow. to impact winning. Yeah, I he was almost he was almost like a little point forward-ish, right? Before 100 percent Yeah, yeah. Really good playmaker, really good defender, very good positional rebounder, just a winning basketball player, straight up. So yeah, I've got a bunch of underrated dudes. I love I love watching all these old guys. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Pete Maravich? Because I've heard people say Ooh. he's He's I heard somebody say who has a prominent YouTube channel that he is overrated. And I totally disagree because of his skill set, three level score, yeah. great passer, could score with either hand kind of from like forget about all like the fancy stuff and p the things that people were enamored by. Like right. Pete was like literally like a three level score, great passer, score with either hand. He kind of had that skill set before anybody else really did. Yeah, I mean, talk about having it before anybody did. Like, you're calling him a three-level scorer, which he absolutely was. The problem is he didn't have the third level to benefit from. Except the Celtics years where I think he actually went 66% on very low volume, but... Yeah, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I think that was, like, just the last year of his career that they introduced right. the three-point line. Right. He's a tough one, man, because in terms of basketball skill, I mean, yeah. you watch him versus anybody else from the early 70s, it's like, okay, this dude is just on another planet. His inventiveness as a ball handler, his level as a pull-up shooter. At the same time, in terms of impacting winning, well, he was a relatively low-efficiency scorer, not a great playmaker, not a good defender. But what's hard is... I think he was just never really conditioned to play the right way. Like he goes to LSU, his dad is his coach. He's shooting 40 plus times a game. And I just don't think he ever quite was able to shift from that mentality. So Pete's a tough one, man. I would say bottom line, he's properly rated because of how much of a pioneer he was. He really never played in great circumstances, but I do think in terms of driving winning, like as we talked about, he has some of those same limitations. But I will also say there's a great biography on Pete called Pistol that is like maybe my favorite basketball book I've ever read. Just a, a really tragic but really fascinating life. Read that. Hair to a Dream is great as well, the autobiography. He had a fascinating uh -huh. life. and um, He did, man. And the sad thing is he actually passed away on the basketball court. Yeah. Unbelievable. So sad. I know. At what, 40-something? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that. Okay. So greatest team ever. I know you've talked about this, but for my listeners, who do you have? I have the 2017 Warriors. And uh, it's sort of tough because I think the 96 Bulls were so phenomenal. But I just think the level of offensive skill that that team possessed with two of the top three players on the planet and two of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen while having like the best number three and number four combination ever. I think Dre and clay were both top 20 players in the league at that point. And I think that Dre was pretty clearly top 15. I think his 
defensive peak was one of the highest we've ever seen. His playmaking was unbelievable. He was more athletic back then. He shot 41% from deep in those playoffs. Like this was Dre before he lost his jumper and he could actually weaponize that. Just nobody else has ever had that combination of talent. And of course they were a dominant defensive team, the best in the league. So it ultimately comes down to that. They sort of built an unfair basketball team. They were 73 and nine, and then they added Kevin Durant. And so, yeah, I do think that that ultimately made them the greatest team ever. How do you think they match up with the Kobe Shaq Lakers? And what do you think they would do about a prime Shaq? What, what could they do defensively? I think they have no answers whatsoever <laughs> for prime Shaq, but I think it's like the math game at the end of the day, threes versus twos. Is that why? Well, I think that, First of all, they can counter Shaq's interior dominance with their perimeter brilliance and just their insane shooting, right? And like forcing Shaq to try to cover those dudes out of pick and roll and try to recover to shooters all day is going to be a nightmarish matchup. But it really just comes down to them having more talent outside of the top duo. Like the 01 Lakers, Mm. of course, Derek Fisher was very good in that playoff run. Like Rick Fox was pretty good. You have Horace Grant in there who was an upgrade from AC Green the previous year. But I mean, you're just not getting star impact from your three and four like you are from Dre and Clay. So it's nothing about the Shaq Kobe duo, which I think is probably the greatest ever, although KD and Steph are also right in that conversation. It's just the supporting pieces are better with the Warriors. All right, I heard you talking about the greatest athletes ever. Mm-hmm. Correct or not? Did you was Michael Jordan not even like mentioned when you guys were talking, or was he? I don't think we brought up MJ. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that. But l- let yeah. me finish. let me finish, Carson. Yeah, okay. yeah, First of all, it. I think Michael Jordan would have to be in the mix. And then if we're just talking pure athleticism, when we don't put accomplishments into the mix, I don't think there was a better athlete than Bo Jackson. Very fair. Uh, What I'll say to that is I value your dominance in your individual sport when we're talking about greatest athletes. So I'm not looking at it in terms of who has the literal best combination of athletic traits, speed, power, agility. I mean, there, I think Bo does have a really legitimate case and that's why it translates so well across sports. But to me, it's like, I want who was the best at their primary thing. That's how I view the question. We should have brought up MJ. I mean, it just... He's not honestly on my shortest of short lists, but he is. That certainly... might be a that might be a hotter take than your mellow take. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a matter of there being so many sports out there, man. Like my first answer for that was Michael Phelps, just because I think if you look at dominance compared to the competition, Michael Phelps has 23 gold medals. Next most in Olympic history is nine. Like he is just so far heads and shoulders above any of his peers. My choice for sports that I'm really informed on was Novak Djokovic, who is the greatest tennis player ever and has accomplished that, breaking pretty much every record that there is while playing against the second and third greatest tennis player ever. It's just an unbelievable era of tennis with him, Nadal, and Federer for more than 15 years. But yeah, like Logan, my co-host, mentioned a couple football players. I would have put MJ above any NFL player save maybe Jerry Rice, because again, outpacing peers, he's just so far ahead. But like, no question, MJ has a better case than Tom Brady for me. I just think he's so much more directly responsible for his team success, more individually dominant. Football is tough because it's 11 on 11. There's so many components there. But I just think individual sports, you kind of have a higher ceiling because you are solely responsible for your success. And so you can just so clearly say, yeah, well, that guy is the greatest because... Look at the results that are 100% due to him, if that makes sense. 
Carson, I love talking about the trends of the game and how the game has evolved. And I know you watch a lot of old video, a lot of old uh -huh. games. I believe the modern NBA is more athletic than ever before, more skilled yep. than ever before. I would say the feel for the game might be slightly down, but overall, mm -hmm. it's a better game. What is your take on the evolution of basketball? Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I mean, I think it's indisputable that the skill level is the highest that we've ever seen. I mean, just look at the prospects who come in every year, right? Seven footers who are handling the ball fluidly, who are capable of making reads, who can shoot very efficiently from deep. Like, that's just the progression of any sport. People get better era to era, and it's a combination of medicine and technology and just skill sets building on one another. There's more that you can do with a game the longer that it's around. So I do agree with you. I do also have a, a great appreciation for every era of basketball, though. I think it's super fun to watch, but the skill level is just the highest. And so now everything becomes easier because spacing is better than ever before. You're able to operate with more room. Like I was watching some Charles Barkley film and there's a couple possessions where he and his center literally post up on the same spot on the floor. And I'm just like, I think the so, Celtics, I think the Celtics did a lot of that, right? In the Larry Bird era. The Celtics, though, I have to say, played off each other out of the post so beautifully because I was yeah. watching a lot of the 86 team recently. But that's a matter of just passing skill, right? When you have yeah. Walton and you have Bird out there, it's like there's so many reads they can make off. Of I each mean, and other then you cutting. got and then you got Mikhail and Parrish like in the mix, kind of all in that same area, you know? Yeah, no, a great <laughs> finisher, Parrish. Like, Mikhail yeah. could make some of those passes too, but was just a, a post artist. That is one thing that I will say I miss, is I wish that we had more truly great post scorers. Like, obviously, Jokic and Embiid are phenomenal, but I just think that's such a fun skill set. The level of body control and the variety of counters you see there and the touch shot making. Like, I remember I really enjoyed watching Jaleel Okafor. He wasn't mm -hmm. uh, a winning basketball player but he had real game down there. And we've obviously seen post offense just isn't the most efficient. And so it's not a priority for a lot of teams, but there are certain things that we've lost overall, though. I think the game is the best it's ever been. The skill level is certainly the highest it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, the three point revolution, we're kind of like a few years beyond that now pace and space. What do you think mm -hmm. the next step is for basketball? Because it does feel like, the teams are catching up to what the Warriors did when it came to the volume and efficiency yeah. from the three-point line. So they don't have as much of an advantage as they did before. Are we going to just see more point centers? Like I would like to see the Rockets use Shangoon in like that yoke control. Do mm -hmm. we see more of that? Where do you see the game going moving forward? I think you're absolutely right that stylistically the league has adapted and they understand what is the most efficient basketball. And that's why offense is absolutely peaking and, you're just seeing so many more lineups where there's like nobody who isn't skilled out there. But I just think that's going to continue to become more and more exaggerated. And again, I look at the prospects that we see coming out in recent years, right? Like if you look at Cade, this very big ball handler with a really high shooting and playmaking ceiling, those guys are going to become more and more regular. Wemby is one of one, but we've had in three straight years, Evan Mobley, Chet Holmgren and Wemby, all of whom have crazy defensive versatility and some legit offensive skill and some of that passing brilliance. So I really just think the style is probably mostly optimized already, but we're just going to see more and more crazy freak talents who can elevate the game to another level. Yeah, talking about those unicorn type players, let's finish with this. You know, T Mac recently said that, you know, 
I don't have his quote verbatim, but Wemby is just like bowl bowl all over again. And I actually loved, I actually loved bowl bowl out of college. I thought there was mm-hmm. no way. I, I thought there was no way he should have went second round in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then what he did with the magic this year, I covered the magic for the believe network. I loved it. Like yeah. it, it was going viral. It was so much fun, but I think the biggest difference is just that Bobo is a straight hooper and Wemby is more of a basketball player with more awareness on both sides of the floor. What do you see when we're comparing these two players? I completely agree with you. And I will say, I really find bowl fun to watch. Like you just don't really see that combination of ball handling and shooting and Mm -hmm. even the flashes of passing and the athleticism at that size. Like, yeah, he's great, but there's a totally different level. I think you're absolutely right. Awareness IQ is part of it. Like the consistency with which Wemby is going to make the right reads as a passer. I also think there is a gap in terms of shooting ability. First of all, Wemby is 7'5", so his shot is completely unaffectable. His ability to do it out of the post with the turnaround, which he loves, and off movement, man. Like, he is just a a crazy shooting prospect, even if the percentages weren't all the way there yet. But I think the biggest difference is Bull is going to make a lot of mistakes defensively. Like, he may be a good shot blocker. Wemby is going to entirely hold down your defense. He is a generational shot blocker. The dude has a seven, five height and an eight foot wingspan and incredible timing there. And is so fluid moving on the perimeter. So switchable. He can affect so many jumpers there, just hold down every matchup. So I really think when it comes down to it, Wemby is better in every way, but bowl's fun. I like bowl. And I hope that he is able to find a situation where he can, channel all of his talent that he does have and like put it towards winning basketball we talked about press and pete and i want to see pop really get into his inner press maverick just give Wemby the ball and let him rock i want to see what he can do this <laughs> first year you know what i mean like i don't want to yeah see, I, I know pop you know sometimes he's rigid with his rookies i just want to see like Wemby go yeah here's where I worry about that a little bit. I think that's kind of what we saw first summer league game from Wemby, right? It was tons of him initiating from the perimeter, isolating with sort of stagnant offense around him. And I just don't think that's where he's best. Like he's a unicorn, right? It's crazy that he can't handle the ball and has the pull-up jump shooting skill that he does at his size. But he is best if you're going to run pick and roll so he can get those looks out of pick and pop. And if they close out there, he can attack a closeout or he can roll a bit harder and he's just this comically massive lob target. I think he is better as a insane complimentary offensive piece where he can be so efficient in these ways, but he doesn't have to try to carry a load because as crazy as he is, he's still a big, like he's not actually seven foot five Kevin Durant, as some people say, you know? Uh, let me let me ask this though. You you think that's where he's best, but don't you want to try and find out? You never really know. Like like maybe yeah. just give him the ball, maybe just give him the ball and something really special happens. You know? Oh, I think he's capable of special things, no question. I just think it's a matter of the consistency. I think he's going to be more consistently great using his skill sets as a big. But we'll see because I really am not sure how they're going to use him. There's a ton of ways they could take it because of his skill set. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the strength has to get better, obviously, in the shooting. Yes. And then, I mean, it's sky's the limit from there, from there. Carson, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Twitter. It's not even called Twitter anymore. X. Um, X. <laughs> social media, yeah. your podcast. Talk to me. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. This has been a ton of fun coming on. So podcast, 
We're on social TikTok and Instagram is at nerd sesh. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. My personal Twitter or X, I guess, is uh, Carsobi, C-A-R-S-O-B-I. And then you can find the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you want. It's just titled Nerd Sesh. Uh, we talk football, we talk basketball, we talk current stuff, we talk history, and we also post all of our shows with video on the Volume YouTube page. So that's where you can find us. It's pretty incredible with your insight of basketball and still talking about other sports. Yeah, I mean, basketball is my favorite. Basketball is, I would say, my specialty, but I've always loved football. And I used to do a tennis podcast, too. I mentioned Novak Djokovic earlier. I love tennis. That was... Are tennis podcasts big? I I guess, like, I'm so in a basketball bubble, but I never really... Like, I see football podcasts. I see baseball podcasts. Like, I don't even see tennis podcasts anymore. Well, my tennis podcast wasn't big. I'm not sure. I think some (laughs) of them out there probably are. But that was more of a a labor of love, I guess, just like a little passion project for me. Thanks for taking the time, Carson. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thank you, man. Anytime. There it was. Episode 497 is in the books. Big shouts to Carson for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media. Instagram, you know you could tag me on IG at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Share it on LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it with a friend. We are here and be on the lookout for episode 498 combo out.